The European Commission president visits Kyiv. Kyiv, as the capital of Ukraine, is the beating heart of today's European values. Plus, a Ukrainian photographer wins a Pulitzer Prize for his work documenting Mariupol. Professional journalism is something that holds our society together. And without it, there will be possibility for the criminals to, to do their crimes. And later in the program, a look at Russian speakers in Latvia their loyalty to their country is being questioned. Today is Tuesday, May 9th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish in Washington. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen was in Kyiv on Tuesday to celebrate Europe Day with President Volodymyr Zelensky. Europe Day celebrates peace and unity in Europe, and it has just been made a holiday in Ukraine in yet another cultural break from Russian tradition. Kyiv, as the capital of Ukraine, is the beating heart of today's European values. Ukraine is on the front line of the defense of everything we Europeans cherish. Our liberty, our democracy, our freedom of thought and speech. Courageously, Ukraine is fighting for the ideals of Europe that we celebrate today. But the aggressor has already dramatically failed. Ukraine has resisted the attack and is fighting back successfully. And why that? First and foremost, because as a free society, Ukraine can count on the unquenchable bravery of its million women and men. They fight for our European values. So it is very fitting to be here in Kiev to commemorate and to celebrate the 9th of May, dear Volodymyr. And let me warmly welcome your decision to make the 9th of May Europe Day in Ukraine also. At a joint press conference with Ursula von der Leyen, Volodymyr Zelensky slams restrictions on grain exports from his country that were imposed by neighboring EU nations, saying the measures are a boon to Russia. All restrictions on our exports are completely unacceptable right now because they don't reinforce us at all in Europe. They only reinforce the abilities of the aggressor. The Ukrainian leader also highlighted the need for faster delivery of artillery shells from the European Union. We discussed a key issue, the speed of procurement and delivery of these munitions. The need for them on the battlefield is already present. Next month, it will be one year since the EU nations granted Ukraine candidate status to join the EU, boosted it with aid and military support, and sanctioned Kyiv's enemy, Russia, with ever more sanctions. Yet frustration on the Ukraine side is evident because the beginning of membership negotiations is still out of sight. 
As I mentioned, May 9th is Europe Day in the EU and Ukraine. However, it is Victory Day in Russia, a day to commemorate the Soviet victory over the Nazis in World War II, and a day for patriotic speeches and a large military parade in Red Square. This year's parade was smaller than most, but the messaging was just as jingoistic as ever. Charles de la Desma has the story. Russian President Vladimir Putin has addressed his country's Victory Day parade on Moscow's Red Square, claiming that a real war has been unleashed against Russia, a reference to the war in Ukraine. In his speech, Putin insisted the West's untamed ambitions, arrogance and impunity are to blame for the conflict in Ukraine. Putin says today the civilization is once again at a decisive turning point. A real war has been unleashed against our motherland, but we have rebuffed international terrorism and we'll protect residents of the Donbass and we will ensure our security. Putin welcomes soldiers fighting in Ukraine who were present at the parade. I'm Charles Diladesma. Russian cruise missiles exploded over Kyiv on Tuesday, while soldiers and tanks rolled throughout Moscow for the military parade marking the anniversary of Nazi Germany's defeat. It's one of the most important holidays in Russia, but the war's toll has forced a scaled-down celebration. Reuters' Matthew Laratanda has more. Russia marked its victory day, the defeat of Nazi Germany during World War II, with military parades in Moscow and other cities for what's become one of the most important holidays in that country under President Vladimir Putin. Even more so this year during the war in Ukraine, a war Putin launched partly on the claim that the Ukrainian government is a neo-Nazi regime. But the realities of this modern war are also visible. There's tanks, infantry, even missiles capable of carrying nuclear warheads on display. But there was no flyover by warplanes. That part was cancelled. Parades in some other cities were also scaled back or cancelled entirely. It comes amid security concerns, such as the drone that exploded over the Kremlin last week, and shortages of troops and ammunition on the front lines. President Putin seen here with allies, including the leaders of Armenia and Belarus, laying flowers at the tomb of the unknown soldier. We believe that any ideology of supremacy is disgusting, evil and deadly in its nature. The Western globalist elites, however, still preach about their exceptionalism. They are pitting people against each other and dividing society, provoking bloody conflicts and coups, sowing hatred, Russia-phobia, aggressive nationalism, destroying the traditional family values that make people people. They seem to have forgotten what the Nazis' claim to world supremacy led to. Meanwhile, this explosion was seen over Kyiv the morning of the parade. Ukraine's military says it shot down 23 out of 25 Russian cruise missiles overnight, most of them fired at the capital with no reports of casualties. Ukraine and its allies also frequently make allegories to World War II. On Monday, President Zelensky compared Putin's Russia to Nazi Germany and says Ukraine will fight now, as it did then. That's Reuters' Matthew Laratonda. 
As we've heard, it was another sleepless night in Kyiv. Ukraine's capital was the target of Russian military attacks overnight. Anna Chernikova is there. Uh, everything started at around 10 o'clock in the evening with uh, uh, eight missiles targeting uh, east part of the country. Uh, all eight missiles were destroyed uh, in the air. Uh, additionally, it was a really bad attack uh, on the city of Kharkiv. And we know about at least six hits uh, by the missiles. But this attack was different from this massive one. So the massive one uh, consists of, uh, at first, with eight missiles uh, in the eastern part of the country. Uh, and it was followed with uh, another 17 missiles, which, uh, and this attack started at four o'clock in the morning and lasted until six o'clock in the morning for two hours. And I can tell you that uh, the city of Kyiv experienced and Kyiv region experienced very loud two hours. So air defense was constantly in action and um, it was quite clearly, uh, uh, so the, the sound of the explosions of the shootings were uh, very clear in, in this area. Uh, we know that at least 14 missiles were targeting the city of Kyiv alone. Another three uh, were targeting um, central and north part of the country. In total, 23 missiles were destroyed out of 25. Unfortunately, for the moment, we do not have confirmation of these two missiles uh, of the hits, so if they reached any target or not. Mm, but uh, we know that for the moment, there are no victims reported. And uh, but definitely there are damages from the debris. One of the missile was destroyed very again, very close to my apartment building. Uh, we even saw, you know, this black smoke cloud of the back, black smoke in the sky. And um, the debris fell down in two different neighborhoods around uh, our apartment building. Uh, but luckily, no, again, no victims were reported. Now, Anna, in the past, we had spoken about how yourself, uh, Ukrainian authorities, other residents of Kyiv were expecting attacks last night because it was the eve of the May 9th holiday in Russia. Is this about what you expected, about what folks in Kyiv uh, had thought would happen? Um, yes, I think that this would be fair to say that yes, uh, because, uh, well, everyone expected attack. Uh, it was a missile attack and it was not really a surprise. Uh, to be honest, a lot of people who I talked to were kind of prepared. So they had their, you know, warm clothes uh, ready next to the bed uh, in, in case they have to wake up uh, during the night and go to the shelter. And basically, this is what happened. Uh, so um, I can say that, yeah, th this was something that people expected. But again, this past couple of weeks, uh, the attacks are happening almost every night. And um, this also, people connect also connect this to uh, to this May 9th. But again, we will see how it will go, you know, this this upcoming night and, uh, and next days as well. Well, we'll certainly stay in touch for more updates. Anna Chernikova in Kyiv. Anna, as always, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Steve. Ukrainians are on a war footing, even if they're not the ones on the front lines. A much-hyped and widely expected spring counteroffensive could come any day now. But Ukraine's defense minister recently warned against putting too much hope in his country's counterstrikes. 
VOA's Arash Arabasadi has more. In central Ukraine, a familiar sight as soldiers from the country's National Guard train for combat. It's not been uncommon for members of Ukraine's military to ready themselves against invading Russian forces now more than one year in country. But this training of an assault infantry squad is different as it comes before a widely expected spring counteroffensive to erase the gains of the Russian winter offensive. The Associated Press reports that Russia holds about one-fifth of the Ukrainian homeland. In places where Russian forces retreated, reminders remain of their presence. In southern Ukraine, where sunflowers once bloomed and farmers seeded wheat, there are now minefields threatening both lives and livelihoods. Farmer Ole Uskalo speaking with the Associated Press. It is quite possible to go bankrupt. We can go on for another year, repair the equipment, but without government help, without compensation for the harvest of last year, which burned down, if the fields are not demined, we will not seed them. Continued disruption of the agriculture industry could prove devastating for Ukraine as that is the country's primary source of export revenue, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. In Ukraine's capital city, Kyiv, dozens rolled up their sleeves to donate blood. And while some people have donated in the past, they know full well today's blood drive could infuse the front lines with much-needed support. Blood donor Lilia Skabura speaking with the Associated Press. Saves lives, uh, even before the invasion. Um, I uh, donated the blood because uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, operations or something like that when uh, <coughs> hospitals need blood. And uh, now it's uh, even more important because a lot of our uh, <coughs> fighters uh, need uh, operations and uh, Donation. Fighters also need advanced Western military capabilities like F-16 fighter jets, according to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who recently added that the spring counteroffensive will happen with or without them. In Ukraine's Donetsk region, a juxtaposition of advanced capabilities and World War I-era readiness with soldiers wearing masks as they train to find elevated chemical and radiation levels on the battlefield. With Ukraine's defense minister seeking to tamp down expectations of what a spring counteroffensive could yield, Zelensky recently stressed the importance of success in an interview with the Washington Post. Not just on one battlefield, he says, but in the eyes of his country's Western backers as Ukraine seeks even more support. Arash Arabasadi, VOA News. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. Mstislav Chernov is a 2023 Pulitzer Prize winner. He's a Ukrainian war correspondent, filmmaker, photographer, and novelist, known for his coverage of the Ukrainian Revolution and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and in particular, his work in Mariupol. He's an Associated Press journalist and the president of the Ukrainian Association of Professional Photographers. He spoke via Skype with Katerina Lisanova of VOA's Ukrainian service. What impact do you think uh, this recognition, this award may, uh, may, could make on the war itself? Unfortunately, um, <clears throat> we as journalists don't really have that clear 
um, understanding of how our work in influences the world around us. We are not doctors or firefighters who save lives or extinguish fire or uh, fight enemies. All we do is inform people and how that changes the world, who it helps, we never certain. However, we can always hope that, again, Mariupol, the record of what happened to Mariupol and the scale of the destruction and indiscriminate violence that Russians have um, taken on Ukrainians, uh, not only in Mariupol, but in other cities, um, will stay in history and no one will ever doubt that it's happened. No one ever, ever questioned the reality of these events because it's not only has been recorded but also recognized by international community uh, with this uh, with this amazing and prize and privilege to our team in one of your interviews you've been saying that ukrainian police officers been helping you and your colleagues to uh, escape from mariupol at some point and they were saying that they doing it so you would be able to show your work and they were saying that your work your photos could change uh, the course of this war at that point you said that you doubt about it what are your thoughts today we we know now that some of this work that has been done and sent from Mariupol has helped to open um, green corridors for, to help to negotiate for the green corridors for people who are stuck in Mariupol, who were besieged. So hopefully that saved some lives. But also, I mean, how do you, how do you measure? Even if one life was saved, it's already, a, it's already an achievement. But Honestly, I personally have given up hoping that a one single shot or, or a report or, or a story can stop the war. I remember 2014 when I was filming how Russians shot down an H-17 flight over, over Donetsk. And uh, I thought, okay, well, this is going to stop the war. And it didn't. Things got worse, but, but, nevertheless, journalism, professional journalism, is something that holds our society together. And without it, there will be possibility for the criminals to to do their crimes uh, unnoticed. And that's the horror of it. So even if it didn't change much, we still have to do it. We still have to make sure uh, that every single crime is recorded. At some point, a uh, permanent representative of Russia in the United Nations, uh, were, uh, he was saying that uh, your photos and photos of your colleagues uh, from Mariupol are fake. What could you tell him today? I remember how he went out of the of that meeting in UN and 
He said, who wins the information war, wins the war? And it struck me then that he was the first, one of the first Russian politicians who actually said that Russia started the war against Ukraine. And <clears throat> there is nothing you can say to those people. There is, there is no need to fight or to argue with, with them. There is no need to argue and to fight with propaganda. All we need to do is just to keep working and ensure that professional journalists are present in every place where human rights might be violated, in every place where the crimes against humanity might be committed. That is what international journalism is about. It's about accountability. It's about informing the whole world about atrocities. Um, so, yeah, that's what I want to say to every, everyone. Every single deed will be recorded. We as international journalists will make sure that every single crime is recorded and shown to the world. Katerina Lisanova of VOA's Ukrainian Service speaking with Pulitzer Prize winner Mstislav Chernov. In Latvia's capital city of Riga, dozens of elderly Russians wait to take a basic Latvian language test as proof of loyalty to a country where they've lived for decades. And should they fail, they may face expulsion. Fiona Jones has more. Speaking Russian in Latvia has not been a problem until now. About a fourth of the country's population is ethnically Russian, and it was generally accepted to have Russian as a person's only language. But the war in Ukraine has entirely changed the picture. When Moscow began its Ukraine invasion, Latvia switched off Russian TV channels and crushed a Soviet World War II monument. It has also started working towards eliminating education in Russian. And now in the capital Riga, dozens of elderly Russians wait to take a basic Latvian language test as a proof of loyalty to a country where they have lived for decades. They fear they may be deported if they fail. 70-year-old Valentina Sevastianova is taking a three-month crash course in Latvian. Despite concerns, I have faith that Latvia is a democratic state and will not resort to mass deportations. Furthermore, I have no other place to go, as I've resided here for 40 years. Although I was born in Belarus, I obtained Russian citizenship only to visit my ailing parents who needed my care at the time. Last year saw a growing rift between the country's Latvian majority and its Russian-speaking minority over their place in society. There was widespread anger over former Soviet master Moscow's invasion in Ukraine. And after the country's 2022 election campaign, which was dominated by questions of national identity, State Secretary Dmitrys Trofimovs said the government has demanded 20,000 people sit through language exams. If we make the difference between emotions and uh, legal regulation, we understand. If uh, you are citizen, uh, citizen of another state, you are under protection also on the social protection and other kind of protection of another state. If you want to be 
and uh, want to reside in uh, other state, you have to be in compliance with immigration law. He said Russian citizens under 75 who do not pass the test by the end of the year will be given reasonable time to leave. If not, they could face forced expulsion. That was Fiona Jones of Reuters reporting. And that will do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Karish. This is the voice of America. Washington, Papa, Zip, D.C.